We are live. Marketing Monday. I wanted to see if I could freak out Shelly there, but that apparently did not work. I have four kids. You really think that something like that is going to freak me out? <sighs> I mean, come on now. I tried. So, you know me better. We are going to be talking about some things today. Um, if you guys don't know what this is, it's Marketing Monday. Shelly and Adam. Shelly coming from the Pallet Prison. Myself coming from the dungeon of wood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are going to be talking about something that kind of came up this morning, and I wanted to get Shelly's thoughts and opinions on, which is exclusivity for selling products in a certain area. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this today was because this is actually something that I came up with Clarity Coat recently. It's something that the previous company that I worked for was a constant conversation. It's a constant conversation in the detailing world. And I'm really curious if this is something that is a conversation piece outside of the detailing world. So um, I would really like to just go right into you, Shelley, and ask you, like, was there any companies that you worked with that you did have exclusive um area rights to sell a certain product um how did that conversation go what what evolved out of it like what's your what's your experience with it yeah it's definitely very common i mean in any sort of retail it's really common in my opinion um there were certain things i guess i see both sides of it right so like i ran into I didn't run into the issue super frequently around here because we are so spread out, right? Like we're not a metropolitan area. Like it's not as big of a deal, but you know, especially on the coast and down South, a lot of my, um, my friends that had stores that were very similar to mine, they ran into this issue quite a bit when it came to, car seats, carriers, like anything that you needed to have some level of um, knowledge or expertise about that it wasn't just another widget, right? Like Mm -hmm. anybody can sell widgets. And then you get to the other end of the market here, um, especially in like in our area, area where we were at that, like you have some companies that go the other extreme where like they will sell to everybody. And that turned me off. Like that kept me from wanting to carry those things. And towards the you know, the latter part of owning the business, we did actually sell some of that kind of stuff, but we were a little bit more picky on it. But there are certain brands of like toys, especially once we got deeper into toys, where like you can get them at the drugstore, you can get them at hardware store, like within just that little like mile radius of where we were located, like there was a drugstore, there was a hardware store, there was a grocery store that you could get pretty much the same products as what we were some of the same toys that we were carrying, especially around the holidays and stuff. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you know, when it came to like car seats, when it came to strollers or baby carriers or um, certain diaper brand, cloth diaper brands, like you had to have a certain level of knowledge or expertise, basically showing that you were um, fit to sell that product. And I think in your case, that's probably similar, right? Like that's probably what you're talking about. Like, like, is there what limitations around your brand and expectations do you sell that it's more, in my opinion, 
yes, it comes down to you don't want to have a saturated market in a certain certain area. But to me, limitations on selling come down way more to the type of store, the type of business that somebody has. And do you want them representing you and your brand compared to, you know, somebody down the street or whatever? Like you want to make sure that you're giving them a fair shake at what they're they're trying to do with your product, right? Right. What was that conversation like when you were approaching a vendor or manufacturer or whatever that had an exclusive line of products, toys, whatever you were wanting to carry? How, what was that process that you had to go through in order to convince them that it was worthwhile for you as a business to be carrying that product and that you were going to actually sell it and market it and everything like that? So I can think of one in particular um, it's a, a baby gear line that they were pretty, um, pretty picky on who they would allow. And for us, there was a whole list of, um, stipulations or requirements that we had to meet that was like how, what our revenue was, like how much, how they wanted to make sure that we weren't just a rinky dinky place, um, that we were going to be able to actually sell through what they were talking about. Um, there were restrictions around how big our space was, how much, how many of their SKUs that we could carry. So like, for instance, in a baby gear line, like you might have where you need to carry a stroller and you need to carry a car seat and you need to carry a um, uh crib or you know something that's more gear related and in order to do that like you have to have a certain amount of square footage right um that was one of the requirements they wanted to make sure that you were a part of at least a certain amount of industry organizations that you were active within your industry that you were keeping up on um safety and all of that kind of stuff by being part of those organizations um like it took me this particular brand, it took me, I, I bet, probably a good three to six months to actually get up and running with them because they were very picky on who they would carry. And for me, like, yes, that could turn off certain people, but like this was an international brand similar to you. And, you know, they wanted to make sure that it was the right people representing their brand, that it wasn't, you know, somebody that was going to go under in six months and, you know, cause damage because they had the big picture in mind, in my opinion. Um, they could see some of the bigger partnerships along the way as well as the, the little guys. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, the conversations weren't just a simple application. There were, there's some companies that really are just a simple application that you can turn in and have the product shipped to you the same day. Right. Like they don't, they'll sell to anybody, mm -hmm. but I don't think that that's who you're going after, right? Well, um, I don't necessarily, I mean, we, we can definitely have a little bit of a conversation about like who we're going after and um, stuff like that. But I'm more just curious on like what your experiences with it were and, you know, just to have a conversation about the differences um, and how you can go about these certain um, about these things. Um the the only difference that I could think of with toys, car seats, and stuff like that, like drawing a direct parallel between your business and 
what my business was and the company that I worked for and the company that I have now is I think my biggest thing that I come back to as far as there being a big difference is the marketability difference between baby toys, baby seats and stuff like that. And then something like ceramic coatings and or clarity coat, which is a peelable paint. Um, you know, baby toys, baby seats, like they obviously will change over time. They will upgrade and there'll be feature changes. But to me, by and large, like a car seat, like if someone is looking for a car seat and they know of you and they know that you sell car seats, they there's no initial buy-in that you have to have as far as like explaining to them, well, this Freudian Swiss car seat, actually, you don't sit down in it, you levitate. And there is an invisible barrier in front of you. And whenever there's an accident, this invisible barrier just all of a sudden like expands to 10 times the density of air. And then you don't have an impact, right? Like there's none of that that has to go on. Whereas with a ceramic coating, um, even though it's very well known now, like it's on the bell curve, it's very quickly approaching mass adoption, mass understanding and everything like that. Like we're, if we're not there, we're very close to that you still like you talk to some people and they're like wait hold on a second wait i don't have to do anything to my car for like three years like all i have to do is just wash it and it'll be protected like there's still like some of that education and everything that has to go into it and then there's the education of like okay why am i paying three times as much for something like this versus a wax right so like with a car seat, just, I'm just trying to imagine like, imagine like the entry level price point was like literally a piece of cardboard that a baby sits in and then you strap it in with the belt and you're like, this is $10. Here you go. Versus the invisible Swiss car seat that has dense air in front of the baby. And that costs $5,000. And then like, that's the service that you're trying to sell to someone, right? Like there's, you would have to be really good at marketing or sales in order to move a decent number of those car seats, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's that's the problem that we ran into a lot with um, ceramic coatings and trying to do an area of exclusivity is you're basically now relying on those people to do a good amount of sales, um, to do a good amount of sales and to do a good amount of a good amount of marketing in order for you to get the same volume of sales as you would if you were just to go the other direction and be like, listen, if you literally have a pulse, we will sell to you. Like, done. And so, like, first of all, I, I, you can tell that you're not the decision maker when it comes to child products in your house for the most part. I'd love to hear Jess weigh in on that because there definitely is some marketing and selling to it. Like, so for instance, we carried one car seat brand. That's it. Like we, and that was why I chose that one. That's why I took so long before I ever carried a car seat brand. And it was because I wanted that top of the line. Like I wanted the the ones that we weren't trying to market to the same people that were wanting to go to Target and buy a car seat, right? Like that's not who we were marketing to. We specifically knew that our customer avatar was much more educated on the products that they purchased for their family. And so they were more expensive. And when people came to us, they may not know why that car seat was worth it, but I could name off dozens of people off the, off 
just the top of my head who purchased car seats from us that had they had we not been selling it, I can pretty much guarantee you they would have never purchased it somewhere else because they knew if we chose to carry it, then they could trust that it was going to be a safe bet for their their child. And so I think that's what I would keep coming back to for you is that there's a lot to say about who you're choosing to sell your product to. It's more in the reputation about how they have built their business, about the reputation around how they present themselves, about their past work, about their, um, you know, to me, I think it's more of, is this somebody that you could build a partnership with over the long term, right? So like, what you're trying to create is something that is much different than just a normal like cam spray paint out on the market, right? Mm-hmm. Um, see, I told you. <laughs> well, that's Jessica's opinion. I think it's slightly sexist to think that the male doesn't have any input into this. Oh, I don't think he has anything to do with the male. I think you don't because you clearly don't know what you're talking about. Well, I don't agree with that. Right? <laughs> But I think that it has, you know, when you're trying to create that exclusivity around it, I personally, as a retailer, especially the older that I got, like in business age, it it appealed to me a lot to see that somebody cared about who was selling their brand, their brand right? When I was a young business, it sucked because that was really hard for me to try to break into some of those, like, you know, it's one of those things, like, how am I going to get experience when nobody will give me a shot? Right. And it's that same idea but you have to know who your avatar is and if your avatar i mean you're not throwing this paint on you know amory's right like clarity coat isn't meant to be installed on you know my son's chevy cavalier right i mean we could but like the paint would be worth more than the car itself so you know, but you know that your avatar, these people are installing these on, you know, high-end cars and people who are going to take their car to a high-end shop, those are the places that you're trying to get after. And so to me, I would think you would almost need to have more references than um, caring so much about like the volume that they're pushing through or, you know what I mean? Does that make well, sense? so to be to um, to get a little bit more of an understanding where I am uh, coming, the, the where my inquiry comes from is most of the time when we get a inquiry into Clarity Code, and even when I was working for the previous company, one of the very first questions is, "Do I get exclusivity?" And my answer to that currently. Well, previously, it, with Clarity Coat, it was, um, we will give you a gentleman's agreement that we will give you a period of time, grace period, where we won't allow another shop to come in to try and get you your feet on the ground to get you to build up a clientele because this is a new product. And we respect the fact that you're willing to give us a chance. And we like what you've got going on. We like your shop. We like your whole situation because no, we won't sell it to just anybody. We won't, we, we just won't where, where it starts to become where that became a problem was there because there was no end date to that. Now all of a sudden the conversation is, well, I, I still have exclusivity, right? Well, no, you've sold one job in seven months. Like, sorry, like we can't, we can't, we, we can't hold out for that. Right. Um, 
So what now what it's shifted to was if you want exclusivity, you're you're going to have to pay for it. Right. So that's where I that's where my head was going. Like, so could you flip that to say, like, we will give you exclusivity for 90 days, 180, whatever your intro period is for those people. But past that, in order to maintain your exclusivity, you have to purchase X amount right. every quarter or, you know, whatever it is normal in that world. And with the caveat that if you don't purchase that, you could potentially have your contract pulled from you because if somebody else in that area comes in and is able to do that and they are able to maintain that kind of a volume, then you have to be prepared that you could potentially lose your ability to sell this because Yep. Joe's shop down the road is doing three times the volume. And yep. that just makes sense from a business standpoint. But personally, I don't believe that that should be your only factor. But th- I think that might be a little bit of how you and I uh, vary on our outlook on business. Like I, I think that volume is an, an important factor in how much you sell and in those kind of contracts. But I also think that the relationship bodes into it as well. And so that there there has to be some of the like going behind and understanding the person in and of themselves. Like there has to be some of that, like, is this somebody that we could see ourselves in a long-term partnership with? Mm -hmm. Is this somebody that we want representing our brand? Because if you have somebody that is, selling, you know, a quarter of a million dollars of your products every year, but they have like a two-star review on Yelp and Facebook and all these other places because they treat people like crap. Is that who you want representing your brand? Right? Yeah. Um so when when I'm talking about exclusivity, I'm basically I'm referring to this is we have no relationship. We don't know each other. All I have is just your internet social presence and the conversations mm-hmm. that we have over the phone, right? I don't know who you are. I don't know how well you do anything. Uh, I don't know. I don't know any of that. And then the first conversation is, well, I want a exclusivity for an area. Cool. Here's the price. Like, let's see what you got. And because how do you build, how do you build a relationship um, at the very beginning? Now, down the road, if um, in the previous company that I worked for, if you got a couple of complaints for from cust- like if customers contacted the company, which takes quite a bit of effort, like that it, it's not it's not the easy like you have to really piss someone off in order for them to go to the manufacturer and say these guys are shit. Like you cannot like if we got a couple of those done, like you were just cut off, like we just wouldn't sell any more product to you. And we had one guy that. I mean, he was furious that we cut it off, but I got like five complaints in six months from five different customers. I'm like, dude, you're literally the only person that I've gotten any complaints on the last three months. I've gotten three complaints in the last three months and you're all three of them. Like you're cut off. Like, I don't care what, I don't care what your excuse is. Like, and that would be the same way with Clarity Coat. In fact, we did fire an installer because they did $15,000 worth of damage to a car when they reassembled it. Just they literally put it together with glue and duct tape. <laughs> I like, laugh, but I mean, <laughs> um, so again, like that, I think a relationship is brutally important as you're going down, um, as you 
develop history with each other and everything like that. The one installer that we have in Oregon, we have a really good relationship with them. Like he's had a really tough last year. Um, but that doesn't, that to me doesn't necessarily tie in um, solely into exclusivity. Like, and the reason why I bring that up is um, we're not super interested in having a million installers in the U S like we're mm -hmm. just, we're just not like, we're not all that worried about it, but it's going to be a long road before we start getting mass adoption to the point that we're going to have multiple installers in multiple cities knocking down our door. But where I think we run, where the last company that I worked for ran into a very distinct problem. And I think the thing that would have worked perfect for that situation in my opinion, is a sliding scale exclusivity. And what I mean by that is the exclusivity that we gave to installers was 10 miles, no matter what, if you only installed our coding. So we'd give you 10 miles. The problem with that is, is 10 miles in Sioux Falls is one thing, 10 miles in San Diego, completely different deal. Right. Yep. So there isn't a shop in existence that could properly service all the customers in a 10 mile radius in San Diego. It doesn't exist. You cannot do it. Like you would have to have a 20 to 50,000 square foot warehouse and like just be pumping cars out of there, right? Which then goes back to the problem of, you know, volume over uh, quality, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing that I had proposed when I worked for the company was that we do a sliding scale, which is the more dense the population, the smaller your area of exclusivity. So in San Diego, instead of getting 10 miles, you'd say maybe get like a mile, which is still gives you like 250,000 people that you can service. If you can service all 250,000 without having, because some of these installers would have six month waits. Oh, you want, you want this ceramic coating installed? You got to wait six months. It's not a good customer experience. Mm -hmm. Imagine trying to sell a seat and, they, and you're like, yeah, sorry. Our custom fits are like eight months out your baby's just going to have to wait. <laughs> like, like that doesn't make any sense. So now it's back on us to help deliver that good customer experience by saying, okay, in a very dense populated area, we can now actually have more installers in a tighter area because your volume of people that you can possibly service um, goes, uh, the, the area in which you can service greatly decreases because the amount of people that you have in a particular area greatly increases, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and especially with something like Clarity Coat, where you're looking at a, a couple of day install minimum. Um, and the, I mean, your husband works as a as an auto body guy. The amount of vehicles that you can do in an auto body shop, like an auto body as a profession, just takes up a, a crap load of room. Like mm -hmm. you've got parts everywhere. You've only got generally one booth. If you're a really high end shop, you've got two booths like, and you know, whatever, but in order to scale and get a bunch of vehicles done, like that gets exponentially more expensive, like by magnitudes. And so that's where like, we'd be interested in once we get to that point, which we're so far away from that at this point in time, that's where we'd be interested in doing a sliding scale one where, if you want exclusivity for Miami, you get one mile, but you've got to buy this amount of product every six months or every year or whatever. Um, but when we're talking about off the rip, 
I don't know you, you don't know me. Phone call, I want exclusivity. You know, like you're gonna have to pay for it. Yeah, I would. I mean, to me, I think that there has to be. Well, first of all, I think I need to understand a little bit more, like why why is exclusivity such a thing in the the coatings world? Tell you is why. there that much competition? No, it's all because of a scarcity mindset. It all has to do with the fact that they're like, oh, I don't want competition because if some if John Blow down the road starts doing it, then what what edge do I have in the in the marketplace? I don't have any edge in the marketplace. Once I get this exclusive product, I am ceramic coatings. So how is it your job as a company then to play into that scarcity mindset? Is that how you want? Is that the the aura? Is that the feel that you want surrounding your company? If if there is a if there's a body shop out there who can properly service customers, deliver a great experience, and help us market our product, hey, have it. Like here you go. Like you're doing awesome. Like why would we need to mess with that? Up until the point where we're having conversations, it's like, dude, I've got six months worth of Clarity Coat jobs. Okay, now we need to have the conversation of, is that a good customer experience? And the installer is going to say, yeah, that's a great customer experience. They're loving it. Why would they Why would they still want it if I'm six months booked out? That's the conversation that we used to have with ceramic coating guys is, mm-hmm. well, I keep booking people, so what's the problem? The problem is that nobody wants to wait six months. Like, Because eventually nobody- that's going to leave a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah, well, it's just a bad customer experience. I don't care wh- how you spin it. Right, it's the if point of to, diminishing returns. Like, what's that point of diminishing return where it becomes a crappy experience? Right. Imagine but, imagine you went to the most exclusive restaurant in town, and they're like, we require that our customers wait three hours before they eat. No, I kind of want my fucking burger, like, right now. Right. Like, I agree. Why would... No. Now, there's restaurants that have, you know, month-long wait times not in so not in sioux falls as far as i'm as far as i'm aware but like that happens but i just think that's not a great idea like personally i think that's not a good um experience uh i i, I just i don't i don't necessarily believe in that sure. I, that's my that's my that's me being different so what do you currently have like minimums in place that people have to like, do people have to place a minimum order in order to bring Clarity Coat in? No. Um, the, the, when someone signs up with us, they have to order in and around $3,000 worth of product. And that is also giving you two, two paint guns, which you might have one of them almost always. You're never going to have the other one. So we just, like, we, if you happen to have both of them and can prove it to us, because you know, you'll get people that are like, Oh yeah, I've got them. And then they try to install it and they're like, well, this is garbage. And it's like, well, do you have the proper guns? Yeah, it's this one. And then we're like, no, that's not the proper fucking gun. So anyways, if they can prove it to us, mm-hmm. we'll sell them a starter kit, three grand that gives them enough for two vehicles. And then that's pretty much it. Like that's not giving them exclusivity or anything like that. But we, as an example, months and months and months ago, we had somebody that was like, we want all of Miami. Like you can write me a check for a million dollars, right? Like you're not getting Miami get out. So I'm going to flip this on you for a minute. So Please like, do. so if you want, if you want your installers, your shops, whatever to invest in your brand, mm-hmm. what are you doing to invest in their brand? 
Nothing. Like, how is this a partnership? Like, if you if you're telling me that if you're coming to my husband's shop and you're saying, I want you, I if he's coming to you and saying, Hey, I want to um I want to install clarity coat, here's my three grand. I'm gonna watch your videos and you know, we're gonna call it good, whatever. Yep. What are you doing to invest in them? How are you lifting them up as well as a brand? Because I can tell you over the years, that was one of my biggest annoyances. And the biggest difference in the companies that I wanted to promote was which companies are choosing to invest back into us. And where is this a mutual relationship versus more of them thinking that they are superior to me because they have some sort of product that they're trying to sell and I need them. Where does it become a mutual relationship for you and your installers? Like, do you offer ongoing trainings for them? Do you guys offer like some sort of like marketing promotions that you team up on social media? Do you offer some sort of like, I don't know, I'm asking like, what do you guys do to pour back into people? I think one of the best companies that I've, um, I'm going to answer this in um, by citing an example in the industry that I think everyone should pay attention to. Um, there's a company who sells ceramic coatings called Ceramic Pro. And they are by far and away the best marketing company for ceramic coatings out there. And it's not even remotely close. Like they are leaps and bounds better than everyone else. Their value add to the business is the fact that their SEO and their marketing is so superior that the amount of leads that they get that then get directed to the local installers in that area, uh, you're, you're basically, you're, you're 10xing your business simply by saying I install ceramic pro and, and of. So as far as we go, the best thing that we can do is um, something similar to that, which is we can, we can always keep working on improving on our marketing and making it so that more customers are asking about clarity coat um, so that it drives people to their door as an example this was poor timing but we had an opportunity where we worked with a very influential influencer youtube celebrity um who did a video that got millions and i don't want to misquote it was it was over a million views um and we got tons of website traffic we got tons of messages saying hey i want to get this done on my car where do i go well guess what we didn't have we didn't have installers. And right. so we were saying, hey, you've got to drive 16 hours in order to get to the next installer. Bad customer experience, right? Mm-hmm. So now what my game plan is I want 12 installers in the US. 12. I want 12 installers in the US. At that point, I think that we'll have enough coverage throughout the US that then when we start to do these same types of videos, which... Oddly enough, it's it's actually easier for us to get customer inquiries than it is B2B inquiries. I could, if if, if I wanted to blow us up, as like 10,000 plus everything, right? All I have to do is just work with influencers because our product is so different that it's going to just, it's just going to be crazy. We'll get tons of views and everything like that. The problem is if I don't have any installers, then it doesn't do us any good. Like I, dr- I generated all this um traction and movement but didn't get any there's nowhere for these people to get the products it's like 
I don't know. It, the I will go back to the car seat example. The Swiss one with the 10x times um, denser air in front of the baby, right? Like, oh, you can only get it in one place. It's in Chicago, Illinois, in the entire United States. That's the only place you can get it. And it has to be custom installed in your vehicle. And you have to wait a year and a half for it. Like, great. Like, awesome. I'm so glad that there's millions of people out there that want it, but you can't get it. Right. Um, so anyways, my plan is once we get that 12, um, which hopefully, again, we'll get a good spread throughout the U.S., then we start doing influencer, which, and I'm sorry this is a long answer, but in the U.K., this happened for us. We got, the U.K. is a very small country like it's not very big we have now six or eight installers there guess what i'm now looking for uk influencers and saying hey we want to get clarity code on your car we want to do something with clarity code with you and everything like that because we now finally have enough installers there that it makes sense to start doing b to c type um marketing which then drives customers to the installers so on and so forth so why can't you apply that same logic to finding your installers why can't so explain to me why. It, because it doesn't. We we've already we've already done that. So we've had we have like five or six videos out there. Our cumulative views is well in excess of two and a half million. Right. The there are no installers from that. None. That's like, not what I'm. That's not what I'm asking you. Okay, why but can't find you... a B two B influencer. No, no, no. I don't get. I don't. I don't care about influencers. If you're telling me that you need twelve installers, yep. you're telling me that you're gonna put a map on the wall and you're gonna say, "I want this corner, this corner." Like you can't tell me that in your mind you don't already know approximately where you want these installers located at, Correct. right? So why aren't you doing the same type of research to basically get out there and beat on doors and like i want a list of these are the 50 places within this area that i'm looking at that are installing and you as in clarity coat are going out and researching and saying okay yep this looks like a possibility this looks like a possibility and marketing directly to joe's body shop in lansing michigan because you know that they do the type of work that you're wanting mm -hmm. to have done they have the capability like why aren't you doing the legwork and selling them on why this would be a mutually beneficial transaction for them b and you're that's a fair question and that is something that we're currently working on because the, one of the first questions that we get besides exclusivity is okay well uh can you send me a sample we can cost three thousand dollars well i don't want to pay three thousand dollars well that's that we're contacting them for a product that they never asked for for a for something that they don't even understand how it even works and visually and everything like that like there's there's some definite problems to overcome there and then when you say Okay, yeah, you can try it out, but it costs you three thousand dollars. It's just a steep buy-in, right? Like it's it's a hard buy-in. Well, I have, I think, twenty-five to forty people in the U.S. that all inquired about becoming an installer. Oh, and if we could sell in California, I'd already have my twenty-five installers, but we can't sell in California or Canada. Um, so there's that hurdle as well. But if we had a sample that we could send out that was smaller, cheaper and everything like that, we would probably are, we would maybe already have those installers on board. But when you're danger dealing with dangerous paint goods that have a shelf life of 
however many weeks or whatever, once you open them up and they're not vacuum sealed anymore and they start coagulating and activating once they're opened up becomes a bit of a, now you have a product waste problem as well. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of different layers in that, that, and so you look at the body shop industry as a whole, how did they find out about new products? Like how does Corey ever find out about a new tool or a new product? He has his jobber that comes in and says, Hey, like, have you tried this paint line? Like, so how do we find a whole team of salesmen to like do basically do the same thing? I, again, I still disagree with you. I think you're thinking about this all wrong. Like, okay. I think that you're, you're thinking about how to, how do we make clarity coat who you, that you just got done telling me was this like super innovative product line that was this super in like, we are totally different from everything else on the market. I've heard yep. you say that so many times. Then why are you trying to sell it the same way as everything else on the market? Like, why do you think that this brand new innovative thing is going to sell the same way to all the traditional body shops that are selling to the traditional body shops? That's not, that's not your customer, Adam. Your customer is a very specific subset of people that you want to essentially hand pick. You don't want a jobber trying to sell the brilliance of this innovative new product. Mm -hmm. You need to be selling the brilliance of your innovative new product. Mm -hmm. So you need to be thinking of ways to get in front of these people, whether that's through like super directed target, like once you know who these like 10 people in this area of Lansing, Michigan, that you want to try to get one of them on board for, you know how to do the Facebook shit to get super targeted with them and start getting in front of them. You know how to do that. Yep. You know how to pick up the phone and say, hey, I know you don't know who we are, but we've got this product. Could I schedule a 30 minute video to kind of give you, start building a relationship? But I like, you know how to do that stuff. And that's what's going to set you apart in the market, because you're not trying to find the same kind of shops that a jobber would go to. Like, that's, mm -hmm. I think, I think you're, you're in your own way right now. Like, you've got to find a no, way it's, it's cross innovate because we've already, we've already done that. So what, what was their arguments? What was the, what's the reasons for, tell me that the 12 people, like, talk to why why did they choose not to install it because three thousand dollars is not that big of a buy-in apparently it is i find that all, all every every one of if them were like they knew that they could get if they knew that they could get that product back that that cost back like if you're if you're telling me that it costs fifteen hundred dollars in product to mm -hmm. install on one car yep and in addition to their shop cost and everything they can you know make tenfold on that they so you what you're what you're getting at is kind of is kind of where the whole exclusivity thing then starts to play in um a little bit of a part right what body shop out there do you know is good at marketing or sales i mean none around here none none not none ones, but i know 99.9 percent .9 of body shops fucking suck right because you know where their customers come from 99% what's that insurance companies insurance claims they don't do marketing yep, what do you, I know. what what's this google thing that you're talking about same with the doctor like it's the exact same thing any service yeah. or right yeah so well i mean not really not like at service, least a plumber or electrician they know about seo like they're they're like well yeah you have to get on google because like that's how people find you like right. so but are you are you trying to it, it's a different kind of it is that um so again, it's coming back to like finding that ideal 
customer. I, I, I know, I know, I know exactly where you're going. We ran targeted ads in three different cities. Okay. And I got six, uh, around six people, six shops in each in each location to contact us that fit exactly the mold that we wanted. The three grand. Uh, I don't know. And then and then the conversation turned into, you know, how how am I going to sell this? Like, who's like, what kind of customers are we looking for? Like, um, like, you know, I'm going to spend three grand. Like, that's just lost three grand. Like, uh, I I don't know how I'm going to sell this because they don't sell. They don't market. They mm-hmm. don't need, they don't know how to do a Facebook post. So that's my so then my question comes down to if they're not there has to be some out there that know something about like how are people finding out where to take restorations to how are people finding out about where to take custom paint jobs to not insurance work like that i understand mm-hmm. that's the bread and butter for for body those, shops like i get those, that but those shops exist extraordinarily small because you can't you almost can't live as a shop on just custom work you you almost can't do it because the cost of materials ask ask um your husband what a full custom repaint on let's just take my car for an example or your car whatever it doesn't matter mm-hmm. take your durango ask him what like if it, if you were to price this out and somebody wanted blaze orange with heavy metallic in it full strip repaint how much would it cost? He's going to tell you fifteen thousand dollars. Oh yeah, we've had this conversation before because I want to change the color of vehicles. Right. Before. So, but there's not that many people out there that, when you say fifteen grand, they're going to go, "Yep, done." Like what they then look at as a customer, as a consumer, you're like, "Oh well, here's vinyl wrap that I can get pretty much the same exact thing for four thousand dollars, and it doesn't ruin my original paint job." Which is then, then we start to talk about like that's the benefit of Clarity Coat. You get an original looking paint finish. And this isn't um, a frustrating thing for me at all. Like I understand the type of customer that we're going up against and the type of business that we're going up against. But it's also not as cut and dried as we'll just target them. They call you. They're like, hell yeah, I want this. And then like you sell them product. Like just uh, Cause I've got, I've got a list of like 25 shops that are all over the U S that fit exactly in our demo that they're this close, but it's at $3,000. And then it's like, okay, well, do we just give them the product? Like, do we just, do we just do that? Like, and that's something that we're working on for 21. So what do they get with the $3,000? Like, I know, I know materials wise, like that's not what I'm, what I'm wondering. Like what sets you apart? like are you offering them some sort of training are you offering them are you offering to do their marketing and pay for some of the seo like if you're paying three grand like we're gonna invest five hundred dollars back into facebook targeted like again you're good at this like we're going to invest that back into your market for you we're going to you know like what else could you value add into that three thousand dollars to take some of that risk out for them and help drive the customers to them. Like we have this really good marketing video, whatever, like we have this, we have, you know, whatever it is, but, you know, again, thinking outside the box of like traditional body shop marketing, you're not trying to, you're not trying to find a body shop like Corey's for instance, like you're trying to find a body shop, like 
you're trying to find the body shop that I wish Corey's shop was because Corey's really good at restorations. Like his mm-hmm. shop is really good at restorations. They're, you know, he's got an 85 Ford pickup from somebody that they want fully restored. And, you know, it's these families that are willing to drop, you know, whatever, because this was grandpa's car and they are willing to drop twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 into restoring that Studebaker back to what it was, you know? Yep. So, I mean, that's the difference in what you're looking for. Yeah. Shops have to keep their, their whatever, but their insurance jobs going, but it's, it's finding those shops that are willing to under accept the value add of the training of like, can you sell it on? I know you guys do a lot of, of restorations. I know you guys do a lot of custom work, you know, the custom lines and the paint jobs and all that kind of stuff. How can we sell to those customers that care as much about their vehicles as you do? You know that there's people out here that that are willing to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just finding the shop that you can add that value for them. And again, that it's going to become more of a partnership and less of a you're marketing a widget to somebody. I think so. Let's 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 take the example of like we're gonna we're gonna pour in five hundred dollars worth of Facebook advertising into your into your area to drive leads to you, right? Um, I think that's actually a pretty good suggestion. You say that like you're surprised, Adam. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I. Uh, it's not a. It's not a. It's not a bad one. I would just be curious with the type of people that we're talking about and the conversations that I've had with these people whether they would be like, yeah, okay. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to spend 500 bucks. Sure. Like, I can't wait to see that. Like there, I don't think, I don't think that would be a selling point to them as far as like, oh yeah, I'm going to rely on you to do $500 worth of advertising locally. Um, but that would, that's actually not a bad idea. Um, and we would be, Going into 21, we are probably going to be running targeted ads in the areas where our installers are at to try and get that going. But it's a little it's a little frustrating when, well, as an example, I'll just go back to the company that I used to work for. I pour in $500 worth of advertising. That just gets the engine started, right? Like maybe gets you a couple of customers, right? Through the door. You've now paid back your original purchase of product and everything. When I worked at the the previous employer, like some of these guys, actually the majority of these people, 80% of them, wouldn't even take a picture and post it. And they're like, well, I don't get any more work. Well, are you doing anything for it? Right. No. The, so um, if you're not willing to do keep on the marketing train and take pictures and videos and everything like that of the stuff that's getting in through the door, then how can, how can we, we, I mean, do you want us to pay us like a monthly fee every single month? And we just have a marketing agency that literally just takes, um, starts dumping money into that area. We could like, we could do that, but, um, which is basically kind of what ceramic pro did. Again, like, again, like, that's my question. Like, why not? Like, if you're going to invest, if you're going to, if you're going to give yourself a, say a $2,500 marketing budget every month for clarity coat in general, 
then why not divide that out between four installers? I mean, yeah, you can keep a a fifth of it for your own, you know, marketing, however you want to do that. But like, why not take that and divide that money between four different installers and create a partnership because you're teaching them how to better market their business as a whole. It's advantageous to you because you're getting great marketing for your own business. But again, it's a mutually beneficial relationship there rather than how are you serving me? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that there's the, the companies that are willing to try to find partnerships and build build those bridges and help see them grow because you know that the more they grow, the more you're going to grow. And you have to find this like symbiotic relationship of being able to grow together. And it's not going to be easy. It's not everybody, obviously. You're only looking for a couple of them, but it only takes a couple of them for you to start making that difference. And once you make a difference in this one shop, now this shop in in Lansing, Michigan knows somebody down in Tempe, Arizona, and they're going to, you know, they see each other and follow each other. They've been to auto body conventions or whatever. And he's going to tell that guy, like, it just takes those first couple for you to build that relationship with. And they're like, you know what, like they're killer, like they're, I will never leave this company because they've poured so much into my business and they've helped me understand marketing. They've helped me understand why it makes sense to use this kind of a gun versus this gun. Like they've helped educate me just because they want to see me succeed. Mm-hmm. If you see that there's a problem in the market, what are you doing to fix it? Yes, Clarity Coat fixes the problem of the coatings that that has never been like you have this new innovative product. But what you're telling me through this entire hour long conversation is that there's a whole lot of gaps in the body shop world. And while I don't think that you can like fix every single one of them, there are pieces that you are really good at. You're really good at marketing. What can you do through your company and through building relationships with the, the installers and the companies that you want to partner with, what can you do to fix part of that problem that's going to also benefit your company? Yep. Yeah. Um, the, I think the biggest problem that we've had is just simply laying down that groundwork of also having a steady monthly budget of saying like you know what no matter what like five grand a month like just gets poured right back into because there's no there's the other marketing is such an interesting thing in that most people have a serious problem with it like in your retail business how much a month did you say here agency here's five grand a month or here's two grand a month like did you do that i mean once we got like once i understood I did get really specific about trying to understand how much I needed to pour into like of my revenue, I needed to pour X amount into, you know, mortgage or utility, like basics, right? Just like you do with your household budget. But then this month, this much needs to go into marketing. This much needs to go into, you know, new product development. This much needs to go into payroll. This much, and you learn how to like, I'm not saying all new shops starting out, but again, you're not trying to find a new shop starting out. You're trying to find somebody who has legs underneath them and understands the value of, they may not be doing it currently, but you want, they know that they need to market. They just don't, don't know how. And if you're giving them a tool to do that, you know, I think I you think, might think need to that, just rethink that, part of it. That, that thought right there of they know that they need to do it, I think doesn't actually exist in the body shop world. Mm, I don't think so. I think, I mean, 
there's you can't convince me that there, especially with a number of like shows that have happened, like reality TV kind of crap that has happened. You can't tell me that those guys don't know that that kind of stuff is possible. I mean, even my 47 year old husband who doesn't know crap about Facebook or business. I mean, I love my husband. I mean, we rock, and he's no. trying. But my point is, like, he knows that they needed to build a Facebook page, and every time he works on a job, he posts pictures every, you know, a couple times a week, and they're just like pictures off of his phone or whatever. So he knows that they need to market. He knows that they need to have a presence online. Yep. He just doesn't know how to do it. So, so, if so a and Adam Huber came in and said we got this really awesome product. We, we know you don't know how to market it online, but you know what? I don't want you to worry about that right now. I want you to worry about training one guy in your shop to know how to do our, our specific procedures or our processes really, really well. We are going to take care of the marketing for the first 90 days, six months, whatever. And we're going to get you the couple jobs that you need. We're going to take care of the marketing. I don't want you to worry about it. I want you to know how to handle my products really well because that's your job. My job is to market it. And how to, can you two come together to make that, again, a symbiotic relationship that they can do what they do really, really well. You can do what you do really, really well instead of you expecting them to know how to do both things really well when you know that that's not a reality. Yeah, but why not? why not then take them out of the equation entirely? And then I just take care of the marketing marketing and do work with influencers or whatever. And because you don't have anybody to install it. That's what you just said. Your problem is. Yep. So but, why can't you give them the training, how to install it really, really well, let them worry about doing what they, I mean, it comes back to the whole e-myth idea. I mean, you know, this, it comes back to the whole, like you want the technicians to do their technician job. You don't want them marketing. Why are you wanting the technician at? You know? I don't. I, that's what I'm saying. I take them out of the equation entirely. Yeah. Like I, I don't. I like, agree. I, like, but that just needs to be built in the cost of what you're giving them, and you need to sell that value to them. That by letting us do what we do really well, which is marketing, it's going to drive that business to you. And hey, if you give us a shot, this is how we're going to give that value back to you. And it, I mean, it's your job to figure out the way to like create that value equation in their head. But you would need to do what you do really well and let them do their part really well. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're sold on it. No, it, I, I, it has nothing to do with being sold on it. It, 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 it doesn't have anything at all to do with that. I would be curious if you could take your husband, go to the owner of his shop and say, um, we need to send... Let's just say that we asked, let's say that we asked every one of our installers to send us a hundred dollars a month for local marketing. Like you send us a hundred dollars a month. We will, we will do local marketing. Like, as you know, that would be like bare bones minimum. Mm -hmm. that. Now. Okay. So now take, take from our end. How do I manage that? What do you mean? How do you manage that? How, how what do I do? Do I set up, do I do Facebook posting or advertising in, these multiple different areas at a hundred dollars a month, which is basically like nothing. Mm -hmm. um, like how does that, um, <laughs> how does, how does that work? Or do I take over their Facebook page and, and do that? Yeah, show it. sorry. So then, so let's say it's not a thousand, let's say it's not a hundred dollars a month. Let's say it's a thousand dollars a month. 
that there's you, I would keel over and die if the old guy in that shop says, yeah, absolutely. We're going to spend a thousand dollars a month on marketing. Oh, there's no way he would. Exactly. And I'm not saying that he should though, but again, think outside that's, the box. That's not of the that. customer going after. So you're telling, no, it, it is. But what I'm saying is how do you, how do you figure out that value proposition for the 70 year old guy in the shop? Right. So like thinking about Corey's boss, right. We would, like, we, we wouldn't even bother you, but I'm going to, what I'm saying is if you can figure out how to create, instead of instead of going and saying, here's our $3,000 to try us, you're saying, yes, this is a $3,000 value. This is what it's costing you. And here's what you're getting included with it. Because right now you're selling a product, Adam. Mm-hmm. You're not selling them on anything besides a product right now. You're saying my stuff is really, really good. And you should pay $3,000 for it. Why wouldn't you? And they're going, click, because I don't know Jack about you and you haven't sold me on anything. Yep. Your job is to say this value is $3,000 or $4,000 or whatever it is, but you're getting $500 worth of local marketing, which again, to those people, they don't. that doesn't necessarily make sense. So you have to turn it into a, a way that makes sense to them of we're going to get you online to be able to be seen by this many people in your local market. We're going to get you on, we're going to, you know, drive this many leads through our online market. Like they don't care how you do it. They just want to see like, we're going to have this many people seeing your ads. We're going to have this many people seeing your, you know, whatever, as far as, as far as, as as far as value add the something that I think, so you've been honing in on, you've been honing in on marketing, 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 but we haven't really talked about what problem is clarity coat solving for these body shops are solving for our avatar, right? The, this is the value add has nothing to do. Our product's awesome. Has nothing to do with the product mm-hmm. has, has nothing to do with the product. The, the customer that we're going after, they have a distinct problem of they, the insurance companies are killing the auto body business. They are literally chopping one finger off at a time, one limb at a time because of they're just, they just keep cutting into the bottom line constantly. Has your husband ever come home and said, Geico only paid me 10 hours for this job that was supposed to take 20. Oh, like, of course. That happens every day to him. Happens every day. Yep. That's the conversations that we have with the younger body shop owners, which is the ones that we're going after because they recognize that there's this very distinct problem in the industry, which is I need the, div- I need the diversify. I already kind of do detailing in my shop. So I need to do, I want to offer car detailing, right? I want to off, 